We are live now, and Dr. Saima is going to be joining us very soon. But before she starts, let me go over what we are going to discuss today. I'm very excited talking about finances. It is such important topic that we need to we need to discuss, and we are very shy. We when we talk about money, we shy away from it. So Saima is is you know like gives you financially savvy tips. And it's like, you know, how important it is for women to be financially, financially independent. She also wrote this journal. And okay, so Saima is here. Hey. How are you? I'm good. I've never done this before. I know. I know. I, yeah. I, this is my third time, I'll yeah. say. So I'm still learning, like, you know, like, like nuts and bolts of going live. It's good. It's good. It's nice. It's easier, I think. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Alhamdulillah. How are you doing? I'm good. So I was just sharing this, this wealthy Muslim woman journal. And I was just talking about that. Like, I, um, of course, you can go over. I just introduced it. I So I would like you to start with telling me what does this journal entail? And I, I will share the empty pages because I've started filling it, so I don't want to, like, you know, share my seven pages. But I'll show you, and you can tell, like, you know, you can you can go over why, why is this something like something as mindful like this is good to start with? Yeah, so one of the biggest, biggest that I discovered literally four or five years ago is journaling. Journaling can literally change your life. A lot of the time, what happens in our lives is we are either living in, about worried about the future, like what's going to happen tomorrow, and that's where we are, or we are thinking about the past, all the regrets we have, what we've done, and we neglect to live to be just present, be where we are right now. And uh, once I discovered how useful journaling was with that, what journaling does is, we call it that download, is just writing down everything that's coming to your mind. So get up in the morning take five minutes out and just write down everything that comes up it doesn't have to be grammatically correct it doesn't have to make any sense but just write down all the thoughts that are coming to your mind and for brain that's like you got a lot of work done it's like your brain can stop thinking about that stuff now it thinks all those things are accomplished and now it can really focus on what to do next or what to plan next and it, it really helps when focusing. And then once you put the worries down, and sometimes it's like, why am I even thinking about this? Why is this even occurring to me? And it's something you may be obsessing about in your mind day out and day in. So I became obsessed with journaling. And then I was going out and buying all different types of journals. And I didn't feel like any of them fit what I wanted. So I wanted something where I could track my habits. So I want to improve my salad timing. I want to improve uh, my eating habits. I want to focus on going to the gym. I want to be able to manage my finances. And what was happening was I was buying like so many different types of journals and so many different books. I I need to combine all these into one. (laughs) And that's how this journal came about. I just started writing what I would want on a daily basis at my hand at my side table somewhere I could put all my passwords, logs, and that's something I'm forgetting always. So I, that's how this journal came about, and I just created it, and I just published it as well. Yeah, and I, can I just share the one thing I love, that, like, you know, so everything else is definitely, like, you know, like, very organized. But what I love is that you give a lot of space 
for what I am grateful for. And I don't know for everyone, but for me, if I have only, if I'm only coming up with one thing that I'm grateful for, I almost feel guilty that am I really only grateful for one thing? So like I start like thinking more and like, you know, filling it with more. And I know I shared with you my gratitude journal when we first met and I am big on gratitude journals. So, so I am very grateful that you gave me time today. Love really, it is, it is like I feel like money is something we all want, but everyone feels guilty talking about it. We don't want to admit it, how important it is for us. So let's talk about why do we like when I say we women specifically, why do women feel so guilty when we talk about money, abundance of money or getting like finding ways to get money? Yeah. I think answering that is a lot easier than why we shouldn't be guilty uh, thinking about money and wanting money because society just puts a lot of pressure like from the time you are going to school and you say, oh, I want to be this career because this makes more money and everybody's like, oh, don't just look at money. Money is not everything that you should be looking at. Uh, you yeah. need to focus on other things. So you're discouraged from even looking at careers that are high paying and from very young age and especially yeah. women like oh your husband will take care of it your brother will take care of it but the way to change that is we need to look at what money is so we have a lot of thoughts about money money is good money is bad money you know money turns people into evil money does you know it starts more money does this but what exactly is money money is just a tool money by itself doesn't do anything bad you could have a dollar sitting on a table it's not going to go do good or bad things on its own. It's just a dollar. It's just, or, or a lot of times it's just a number on the screen. So what exactly is money? Money is just a tool that we as a society, we as a human being have decided to give value to. And we have decided that for $5, you know, in paper, it's paper that grows on tree. For the $5 bill that you show me, I'm going to give you this much value back. And before this, it was goods that we were trading, right? Before we discovered how to use money, we were using, I had eggs and we had butter and we're going to decide yeah. that I need butter. I'm going to give you eggs. I have more of eggs. You give me butter. So that's how we were exchanging value. We didn't think eggs were bad or, you know, the meat was bad. It, it was just, I had something of it. You had something of it. And we decided to trade it and exchange it. And that's how we decided to come up with money. We decided that as a society, we're going to construct something. You know, it's silver, it's paper, and we're going to decide that this has this much value. If if somebody comes from, like an alien comes and visits us, and they see us exchanging a paper for and buying stuff, that may seem odd, yeah. right? Like, what, what is True. it? So money by itself is nothing good or bad. It's what we as a society are, like, conditioned into giving it value and thinking about it that creates the problem. So the thought is what yeah. we need to change. Money is neutral by itself. Money is just a paper by itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, and you know, it is, it's, and I, I remember like, you know, you and I like, you know, like informally talked about this before. But my being financially independent is very important for women, especially in, in like, you know, especially with this inflation going on. So what, like, why do you, like, do you think that for women, it is important to be financially independent? For anybody, right? For men and women. I don't know, like, we've come to the age where women are working outside, they are contributing to society. Even before then, 
when we were working on the farms, if you looked at back in the day with our grandparents, it was the women who were working the fields and growing the crops and then selling the crops and really contributing a lot financially to the family. And now somehow it's become a problem where women shouldn't have to do this. And it becomes a huge problem when you are put on the spot. So there are unfortunate circumstances of if you're married and your husband is diagnosed with a terminal illness, or if you're married and you end up getting a divorce, or if you never get married and you are on your own, or you know you don't have a male figure who's going to be there to protect you and to take care of everything. And those scenarios can change very quickly for, for anybody. So everybody should be proficient and independent at whatever they can, whatever skill they can learn. If you can learn to, you know, change a tire by yourself and you're driving and you need to do that by yourself, you should be able to do that by yourself. And money, money is way more important. Like money, we use it for everything, right? To buy food, yeah. to buy roof over our head, to buy utilities. You can't even buy the basic necessity of water. Like clean water to drink or even oxygen if you're sick and you need to be hospitalized, you you have to pay for health insurance, you have to pay if you're in a different country, you're going to probably have to pay out of pocket before a doctor even sees you and provides you with oxygen. So you need money for like the basic, basic necessities and money, money is a good thing. Money can help with all that. Money's not bad. Yeah, and I also feel like, like you know, Saima, when we, when we as women are financially independent, it just gives us another, like, a new sense of confidence. Like, we feel good about ourselves. That you know, that like the ability to to be able to support myself is is you know, like a confidence automatically. Of course, yeah. When especially when you're living here and you are able to get a job and you're able to provide, mm-hmm. then in, in circumstances where you're put in a bad circumstance you're not going to tolerate that and you're going to be able to lift yourself out of that as well and we have a lot of capable women who are like you know in fact like you know if we look at the academics women are usually like you know like academically savvy so we have a lot of yes i love money and both (laughs) thank you sana so we have a lot of competent women staying at home, taking care of children, which is again, like very important. I like, I have like huge respect for women who are stay at home mothers, but how can they become financially independent without, like, without sacrificing on the things that they have to do? So an example I saw in my home growing up was my dad went to work, but when he came home, he gave the money to my mom and she was the one managing it. She was the one going for groceries. She's the one, you know, taking the kids out. She's the one who's uh, building the houses. She's the one who's saving the money for the kids for their emergencies and their needs. So stay at home mom doesn't mean that you're not financially competent and you shouldn't have to worry about money. You can learn all the skills more than our parents probably could, more than our moms could because they didn't have if they were not educated, they didn't have that skill to go out mm-hmm. and learn to invest in bigger things like in a stock market or other real estate. But a lot of women have done amazing things, even when they were stay-at-home moms, like invested in, I have aunts who were stay-at-home moms, but they, they bought stores, they helped their husbands run gas stations and other things. So that doesn't change that aspect that because you're a stay-at-home mom that you can just forget and not worry about how to take the next exactly. step. Exactly. 
Exactly. And like, you know, uh, like religiously too, like we know that, you know, like if you are a Muslim woman, you're like, you can get paid for breastfeeding, you know, it's like, like, like things like those. But I always encourage women that you don't have to have a business. You don't have to have to be actively working. Asking for pocket money is not wrong, but like, I think mainly important thing is how finding smart ways to do the savings and multiply your money while staying at home. And I am like horrible when it comes to investing uh, or knowing, but like budgeting. Budgeting gives me, I would say like, you know, palpitations. I, I like whenever I have to do them, and it's not the math, it's just the fact that I have to think about everything that just really becomes very overwhelming. So Saima, I know in your podcast, you talk all about ways to invest in future, it's like, you know, stocks, you, you, you talk about so many things. And I, I feel like I need a week with you just to learn everything that you have to say. So can you go over how can we learn basics of budgeting, finances, investing? Yeah, so it's all very simple. The first thing you need to learn to do is pay yourself first, no matter how small it is, even if it's 10 cents, even if it's $10, once you learn to pay yourself first, and what that means is not using that money and going and buying something shiny. A lot of times what happens is it all comes from our thoughts about money, that we are afraid that we're not going to be able to manage money. And what ends up happening is we end up losing that money. We, as soon as we get the money, we're like, we have to spend it somewhere. And we have to go buy the next shiny thing. And we have to do this because we're so uncomfortable with just having money, just holding on to it and just accepting it for having it. So that's the biggest first thing you need to do is just accepting money for what it is. If it's, you know, bills that you're getting, just holding on to it and just accepting it for what it is. Not planning what you're going to do next with it, not thinking about what you're going to buy with it, just having money, just having it. And then how can you make that money do more work for you by making more money for you? So not spending it and losing the value. So if I get a hundred dollar and I go buy a bag, that money's gone. And what I've exchanged for that is a bag that I'll probably lose again. Whereas if I invest that money, even if you buy a, a car, a car usually depreciates value the moment you drive it off the lot. So what, what, when you save money and invest it, that money is growing for you. You put it in a place where it's going to work for you and make more money for you. That's what, that's how the rich do it. They don't work for money. They make their money work for them. So one of the one of the great aspects of investing is the stock market, which I like to focus on. It's been there for the last three, four centuries, and it's been shown shown like a great progress of rate of return of about ten percent over its lifetime. So just getting money, saving some for you, and investing it, and just letting it be, just letting it go for you. That's the first thing that we need to learn to do with money. And then we can learn other things like insurance. So like protecting yourself. So car insurance, health insurance, house insurance, all those yeah. disability insurance if you're working, those things are very important. Same for your kids. You know, if you can try to provide them with a better future or more financially more secure than we were, that's another aspect. Saving for your retirement. A lot of times, uh, IRS doesn't trust us with our money. So when we get a check, IRS has already taken out their share because they exactly. know by the time we file for our taxes and if they're waiting to collect, we'll have spent all that money. But they have allowed us loopholes where 
know, you need those like retirement accounts where we can save money before IRS takes it out. So those are huge and we need to take advantage of those that we're, our income will be decreased by that amount that we're saving in our retirement accounts. And then that money is going for us until we need it. Yeah. And, and you know, like Sarma, so last, I remember that two years ago when like, you know, like in the middle of the pandemic, I took some money out of my savings and I decided to play with the stocks. Two years now, like two years later, I think I have lost about 75% of that money. So the first thing you said is play with stocks. <laughs> so stocks is not something you play with, you know. So stock market has become a lot, a lot safer and a lot, a lot better. So the, the way it used to be is before the internet, before telephones is somebody would be sitting on Wall Street. And if I wanted to buy a stock, I would call that brokerage and by the time they, I, I hooked up to them, uh, it was probably, you know, the price probably had shifted and changed and I may or may not be able to catch that price. And then even when I find out if the market is going up or down, it like days would have passed by the time I get my newspaper the next day. And, you know, and a lot of times what you were able to do is buy one share of a company. And usually it's really hard to do that. So let's say, Back in the in the nineties, you're investing and you're starting off, and you had the option of investing in AOL or investing in Google. You, you're going to know who's going to do well, right? AOL was the thing of our days. Yahoo was the thing of our days. Yeah. We saw we saw all the commercials and everything. Blockbuster was the thing where we could oh my go god, yeah. we could go and get a DVD and you know just come home and watch it. We didn't think Netflix was going to come out and you could just click of a button, you're able to watch all the movies. So as average person, for us, it's really hard to assess who's going to be the next Google and who's going to be the next AOL. We, we or Amazon, like, or, you or know. Amazon. If you had invested just like a $1,000 in Amazon back in the 90s, you would be a multimillionaire today. But what has changed a lot for the average folks uh, and made it easier for, to, for us to invest is mutual funds and ETFs. So mutual funds are a group of stocks. So instead of investing in one a company, two companies, you buy top 500 companies. You buy the whole stock market. It's a group. There's only like 3,000 companies that trade in the, that are U.S. traded on the stock market. It's not that huge of a group, but we don't know which is going to be the next high earning or which is going to fall off. And by investing in mutual funds and ETFs, we reduce that risk. We don't have to calculate that risk out. We know on average the return will be 10%. It may go down over the next year or two years, but over the long run, it's going to go up and it's been going up and up since forever. Um, so that's, that's, that's the way to do it. We cannot go with fear or hype. So, you know, Bitcoin is a huge hype recently. The stocks were like a huge hype during the pandemic where, uh, that game, GameStop, you know, people were playing around with that and that went like yeah. too high. Stock market is not for gambling. Stock market is not for playing around. Stock market is something that we need to learn to be comfortable with and then let our money ride the highs and lows. So it's yeah. Not, yeah. So we have to change our thought on how we look at it and how we invest. So not gambling, not playing, but investing. You're right. Not gambling, not playing. That's a, that, that, that's like, those are the keywords. So before I go ahead, I like, you know, the team said that I also think that once you take money issues out of a marriage, you can build a relationship on a different level and judge your spouse for what they have to offer in a relationship. And that's absolutely true. It's 
Yeah, like, you know, I think finally, like, even like, you know, when like people are talking about prospects of marriages, like, you know, the one basic thing is what does the guy do? Or, you know, what are the education, what is the education of the guy or the girl? So these are such, I think it's like a, like a very foundational pillar, but is there a way to take the money out of a relationship? Honestly, I think we have to build our relationship where these things are not a force that messes with the relationship. Like you're gonna, you're gonna have a lot of changes in a relationship when you're living with, with somebody for a long time. You have to be able to share money and you have to be able to share your thoughts about money and not be like, you know, this is mine, this is yours and we're gonna separate it, but take it as something that you can both use to grow together instead of fighting it, but not yeah. take it out completely. Yeah. And, and I think that that is something that, you know, you'll have to learn eventually, like, you know, what works for your relationship. Yeah. And then Jessica says, yeah. I think she said it because of like, you know, when I said I lost 75% of money. So she said, what should we do? Should we leave it? Uh, so Jessica, I haven't sent, I haven't sold any of those stocks yet. I am still holding on to them, hoping that, you know, like one day some, some magic will happen and one of them will go up. So what do you think, Sama? It really depends on where your money is, right? I, I, I only invest in individual stocks, like a couple of, couple of companies that I love, that I buy from, and that I use on a daily basis. I don't do individual stocks otherwise, and I, I don't recommend them on a general basis. Um, I think mutual funds is the way to go. It has made our life easier. You know, Warren Buffett is like the one person who's done really, really well in the stock market, and all he does is goes in his office at eight, nine o'clock, and he reads company sheets and newspapers and that's what all he does every day when he's in the office until five o'clock so he's studying individual companies to death we have kids we have jobs we have other things to do so we don't have that time to study individual stocks so i yeah. recommend just completely avoiding them okay okay i think that's a great advice and i think i need to talk to you about that later sure. um okay and sana said that you know you have a very thorough thorough course about money and life insurance and so uh, like without going into like you know like thick of life insurance can you can you tell us like you know like uh, jessica said what life insurance would you recommend term or whole life yeah. and also how do you tell those people who think like, you know, life insurance is like, you know, just like not, not a thing to do. Like how, yeah. how do you go by that? It's, Islam is very, um, Islam like, educates us on protecting our families even when we're not there, right? We have, we should have a plan. Um, it encourages estate planning, writing a will, even if you have a little thing to leave behind for your family, you shouldn't let a night or two nights pass without making a plan for it on how you want to distribute it. And especially if you have young kids and um, if something happens to you and they'll need to be taken mm -hmm. care of, I think Allah SWT would want you to plan something for them so they're protected financially versus ending up on the streets. I, I don't think that's something that... Yeah, that's I, I agree. Yeah. So life insurance is very important and financially looking at investment wise, term insurance is good enough. You don't... You, necessarily need whole life insurance so the major difference is whole life insurance is for whole life but the return on that is very low so let's say you put the money into the whole life insurance that money is being taken and usually invested in bonds so bonds are usually offered by the government or by other state securities so that money is not lost overall so it's more protected money 
However, the growth on that will be low. So it's like three to four percent on average versus 10 percent with the stock market. Um, because the stock market is going to go up and down and you're, you should be ready to ride those waves. But life insurance wise term is good enough. Usually you need it about 20, 30 years by the time your kids will be grown up where they're, a- where they're financially independent and they're able to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Or you've saved en- enough where you don't need to leave them a whole life insurance policy. So financially, okay. just investment wise speaking, you don't necessarily need whole life insurance. It's much more expensive and the growth is much lower. Whereas if you take the same amount of money that you're putting in a whole life insurance instead invested in a mutual fund, you'll have more growth and more saving. But at the same time, term life insurance is good. It's usually cheaper, like usually 20, 30, $30 a month for a million, $2 million policy. And you can have a peace of mind for the next you know, 10, 20 years that if something happens to you, your kids will be okay. And that both, that is good advice. Yeah, and both stay-at-home mom and working uh, working parents and stay-at-home parent need the insurance because how is the working parent mm-hmm. gonna take care of the whole kids? Because they'll need to hire a nanny, they'll they'll need to hire some yeah. other resources, but they'll need help there as well. The expenses will go up when you'll have a stay-at-home parent there. So they both need life insurance. True. I I I think I think this is this is great advice. So, Saima, tell us about your course and, uh, like, you know, like, what do you go over, like, go over during your course? Because for someone like me who uh, who gets overwhelmed with the finances thing, who who really, like, is always struggling where to start from. And I have asked, I, uh, I have asked this several times, like, you know, but, like, go over your course. But let me just go over this one. I have a pension now and taking it out of the system. Do you recommend I roll it into a Roth IRA or something else? That's a good question. Yeah, it, it depends. It depends on where it is and what it's invested in. So whenever I, I had old insurance, uh, old uh, 401ks that I decided to roll over into my solo 401k, some of them I left because they were invested in a good place and the expenses were really low. So you need to look at what the expenses involved are at the old plan and where the money is invested and what the return has been. With IRAs versus Roth IRAs, so Roth IRA is you pay tax beforehand. So there's two types of investments. So one is Roth. Roth is some money that has paid tax already. So when you turn 60, 65, that, that growth that that money has had, you don't pay any tax on it at that time. So you are taking the money out and it's considered tax-free. Whereas regular IRA or regular 401k is tax deferred. So you are not paying tax on that money now. The, this is usually a good option for people who have high income while they're working. And then when they're going to retire, most likely most of our income will decrease when we retire. So you're, you're paying low taxes anyway when you're retired. So you are paying tax. You're not paying tax now, but when you retire, you the income that you take out, it'll be taxed. So those are two ways to look at it. And if you if your current is in a 401k where it's um, tax deferred, and if you do if you transfer it into Roth IRA, you may have a huge uh, tax bill this year. So be careful with what you decide to do. Just speak with an accountant. Versus if you have your own employment, you have your own job. If you can, I recommend creating a solo 401k rather than. A regular IRA or Roth IRA and transfer money into that. But it, again, it depends on the income levels and how much there is and where the investments are. 
Okay, and do you want to answer this next question? Do you discuss the FIC on stocks and life insurances in your course? Yeah, so we talk about what makes investment halal. So some things are very obvious. So like no gambling, no investing in, uh, in companies that sell alcohol, no investing in companies that do you know gambling and other things. So those things are easy to uh, cover. And what a lot of uh, it does get complicated. And what a lot of scholars have ended up doing is setting percentage on companies. So let's say Walmart. If you go to Walmart, Walmart does sell alcohol. But what percentage of their profit or income comes from alcohol and it's a very small percentage so what scholars have done is said okay five percent uh, if that company deals with five percent of alcohol trading it's still a permissible to invest in them because then a lot of times muslims would not be able to invest in any company because a lot of companies do have those options or investing in tech companies so like the majority of the companies that make up the s p 500 index are tech companies so they're there's the Google, there's the Microsoft, Facebook, Tesla. So these are the companies that make up majority of the, of the, and they're usually very well vetted. There are also other type of mutual funds that are more environmentally friendly. So people choose to invest in them, that they're not investing in, you know, a mill in China where they're making a lot of use of a lot of child labor. Or, or damaging the environment in somehow. So there are also environmentally friendly mutual funds as well that are out there. So we do discuss a lot of that as well. Okay. So now I know I promised you that I'm going to keep it under 20 minutes, but can we really keep it under 20 minutes when we are talking about money? It's like our lives revolve around money. So let's talk about how can we get into your course and... Like, like, is there any prior knowledge that, like, are there any prerequisites that we need in order to get to a course like that? No. So honestly, money is very, very simple. And uh, you, it just takes maybe an hour, two hours to plan everything out and put everything in automation where you can forget about it and start living your life instead of thinking about what you're doing with your money. It's just made to look complicated there's, because there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of us by making it look complicated with credit cards, with other things. The money itself is very simple and I've tried to simplify it as much as I can. So it's six modules and the first module just focuses on the money mindset because that's what holds people back yeah. a lot of the time. Absolutely. 80% of it is mindset and only 20% is actual knowledge. I can tell you, like go open up a brokerage account and go put this much money in and it would only take you, you know, that, that takes like five minutes or less. But changing the mindset where you're comfortable with doing things, that's what takes a lot of work. So I have one of my students who's very smart, very knowledgeable. She's read all the books that, that are out there on money and everything. And we were talking about estate planning and her like getting her roles done and everything done. And unfortunately, what kept coming up for her is, oh, my God, I'm going to die and my kids will be alone. So we had to work on that mindset you know, death and uh, death is certain and that's something that's going to happen and how, what condition do we want to leave for our loved ones behind us. So even though she has all the knowledge that she needs uh, to make sure that she gets her estate planning done and sets up trust for her kids and everything, but that, that, that little aspect is a huge aspect, but that's what was holding her back from taking the next step. So we worked a lot. We worked a lot on that, on getting that done. So the first is only on mindset. And then we go like start talking about you know what money is and the terminology like bull market, bear market. When you hear those things, what does it mean? 
And then we talk about, you know, what mutual fund is, what individual stocks are and how to, how to see, you know, what's a good company, bad company. Like I, I want, I want people to have the knowledge and then they make the decision themselves on what's working best for them. And then yeah. I also have a module on like the protecting yourself. So like prenuptial agreements is very important for all these successful women, postnuptial agreements. I have so many friends, successful, you know, physicians, other careers who are ending up paying like thousands, thousands of dollars in child support and thousands of dollars in alimony to their exes when the marriage breaks down. So talking about those aspects, disability insurance, life insurance, and then of course budget at the end. And my workbook that comes, it also has emergency planning at the end. So if something happens to you, God forbid, where, where is everything? What are the passwords? How can people get all the information that they need to make the next planning, your funeral planning, everything is like covered from front to back. Or kids accounts, like investing in yes, educational yes, accounts. I would, yeah. So I, 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 I try to make it comprehensive, but simple. That's that's perfect. So if you like, you know, after I I upload this on the uh, on my Instagram, if you can like uh, uh, include the link of you know how to get to your course, and everyone who doesn't know, like you know, Saima, like Saima is a neurologist, and uh, like neurologist, neurosurgeon, yeah. neurologist, yeah, a neurologist, and Saima, like you know, like follow Saima at Wealthy Muslim Women. She I will tag her on my profile as well, and then. You can like follow her and th- there is a link on her profile where you can get to her course. And Saima, I am definitely interested. I like, I was sold two months ago. I think I just need to put that into action, you know, like mindset. Yeah. <laughs> thank, but you. thank you so much for joining me. And if anybody else has any question, like, you know, they will either post it on the comments or they can follow you and ask those questions yeah. themselves. Yeah. Okay, thank you. thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. You Take too. care. Bye. Take awesome. Care. Bye.